two, three. We're good. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Texas Podcast Massacre. I am indeed one of your hosts, Tank Rodriguez. Join me via Zoom are my esteemed colleagues, horror experts, uh, back scratcher expert as well. <laughs> to start off with Jimothy James Dean. How you doing today, sir? Sup, sup, sup. I'm doing pretty good. You know, just hanging in there. That is, an that is an energetic sup today. That's a, I think that most energetic sup we've gotten in a while. Yeah. A couple weeks, give, yeah. Give the fans yeah, what they need. Well, next time they'll be, I'll try to be even higher energy sup, sup, sups. So. All, All right. Hey, I'll, I'll take I'll, it. Uh, I'll back scratch with you, bud. Yeah, I got one right here. Oh, I got a, <laughs> I got a, I got this, I got this pen. <laughs> so the thing is, like, I have, it's like, not the size these... of your scratcher; it's how you use it. That's this exactly. is not the relationship show, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's there's always room for metaphors in any of our podcasts that are dick related. I'm just the, saying. The, right the doctor is not in today. <laughs> the doctor is the doctor is not in. He's <laughs> been replaced <laughs> by but, the dirtiest of and, and it's uh, <laughs> Speaking of the Dirty Doctors, of course, uh, we have Dirty, Dirty, Dr. Derek. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm I'm representing a whole other type of shocker today. So. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> I'll talk about the electric chair, guys. Come on. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is, this is a PG show. No, no, it's not. Pretty, <laughs> pretty gnarly. That's pretty gnarly. <laughs> Wolfman's Wolf got nards. That's a good one. We are definitely, we are definitely talking about Wes Craven movies today. Uh, you know, as him as as a uh, as a director. Um, you know, I know definitely we'll take a deep dive into him and, and get your thoughts and opinions on certain movies. But before we do that, we always have to check in with. What y'all watched this past week, week and a half? Uh, you want to go? You want to go? No, first? you go, Derek. I, I went All last right. week. All right. So I've been uh, I've been binge watching the crap out of Tales from the Crypt, uh, and but I decided to start backwards this time around. Uh, so I started with season uh, number seven, um, and you know what I realized? I didn't realize that an entire season seven is like a BBC show. I don't know if you ever ever noticed that, but all these season seven are all British actors, and they all seem to take place in like the English countryside. Just pointing that pointing that out there. Um, Dude, that does actually. I think I have. I think I did notice that in the past. I thought I got the wrong like. I, I thought like I popped in the wrong episode. I'm like, what the fuck is this masterpiece theater? Like Bob Hoskins <laughs> in there, you know. But uh, but it was good. Yeah, I got up to. Uh, I, I I'm almost done season six. Uh, which is great. I was like, man, season six is like the sexploitation uh, season. Just a lot of, a lot of boobs in every episode in that one. So I was like, wow, this is why did I stop watching this season? <laughs> this should have been my favorite season. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost six and then I'll, I'll go back to five. I started ones I hadn't seen in a long time. I don't, I tend to watch and then I, I get kind of like, stagnant around season like four or five so the last two seasons i, I don't know always catch or like I, I watch later so um that i've been re-watching um the uh creep show because uh, it was coming up on amc so um but i was watching i was watching your shutter so um so it's pretty good but yeah pretty much like those are really the two big things that i watched this week i watched like a lot of horror tv shows this week i didn't really catch watching the way of movies I'm trying to think if there's any movies that i actually did see this week I don't think. Yeah, I'm sure it'll come to me. Nothing that pops out of uh, out of my head, though. Just uh, just the uh, normal stuff. So, what about you, Mr. James Dean? What you watch? Uh, well, so uh, you know, uh, it's been brought up in several episodes that I've, I've been basically just burning through uh, basically a whole series of uh, you know more like the sort of more essential viewing in modern television. So. Uh, I finished Game of Thrones. Uh, and no, actually, since we last talked, I not only watched the entire uh, entirety of Better Call Saul, but I also watched the entirety of Breaking Bad. Wow. Jesus, man. You were yeah. a binge-watch hero. Yeah, dude. That's all I do. Um, but then I, I'm currently watching Dexter. So I started Dexter Season 1. Uh, yeah, uh, Tank, for those that uh, aren't the three of us, uh, is making a, a, a face. 
I actually agree with you, Tank. I think I think Dexter, especially obviously this everybody knows the finale is complete utter trash. But um the the show is stupid. I mean, how many goddamn fucking serial killers could there be in one city for fuck's sake? <laughs> um, yeah. And and you know what? If you're gonna go anywhere, like why are you gonna go to Miami? Exactly. That's I wanna go. Like why couldn't it be like you know, it would have been better filmed if it was like Detroit. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or Some like in Detroit, Ontario, can like where there's at like Seattle, where there actually are a ton of serial killers. But um, it's still a fun show. I mean, I still, uh, I still enjoy. It's like a soap opera with a serial killer. It's like so over the top and silly. Um, but so I'm watching that. But uh, I actually, because I'm multifaceted and um, uh, a man of culture and, and varied taste. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I've been watching a lot of Criterion films, so I've been, you know, sort of catching up on a lot of uh, um, classic cinema that, um, you know, I haven't seen in a while, or, or even new stuff. Um, but with that, I actually watched two things that, um, first I watched uh, Roman Polanski's Repulsion, which I thought I'd always seen. I know I'd seen Knife in the Water, but I just assumed I'd seen Repulsion, but then watching it, I was like, I don't think I've actually seen this. Um, but, uh, you know... Um, Great movie. Um, uh, you know, it's very... I, I should have actually watched it before our last uh, podcast about serial killers because it's a very rare movie about a female serial killer. Um, hmm, that is rare. Um, it's a great movie. Um, you know, I think... Because I I think we... I talked about how I'd watched a bunch of um, vampire movies on the... I brought it up going commando which you know wasn't our horror podcast we brought up so um but a lot of it had a through line with that a lot of the more like artistic you know um the hunger and near dark uh a girl walks home alone at night and um uh only lovers left alive so um but uh you know with you know there's a through line there with you know um uh if you want to say bridge of bardot but no it's a um the French actress, she's in The Hunger, and she's also in Repulsion. I'm blanking on her name, because that's why I do in this podcast. I blank on names. But anyways, um, but, so, so I watched Repulsion, which was great. But the other thing I, I watched, which kind of will segue perfectly into our discussion, is I watched um, The Virgin Spring, which is Ingmar Bergman, um, uh, one, of their, one, one of his early 60s films, uh, one of his better films. I mean, Ingmar Bergman's I mean, he's a fucking genius. If, you know, obviously, if you're a film fan, you know Ingmar Bergman, but he's great. Um, anytime he works with Max von Sydow, anyways, I love. But for those of you that don't know, The Virgin Spring is actually the basis for uh, Last House on the Left. So hmm. Wes, Craven, Wes Craven basically remade Virgin Spring, uh, but instead of it being, you know, medieval Sweden, it's, uh, you know, 70s wherever it was, I forget what city it's supposed to take place in, but um, anyways, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great movie, uh, you know, very um, very much part of, uh, you know, that Ingmar Bergman's, like, you know, Ovier, Ovier, whatever the fuck it's, however it's pronounced. Ovier. Ovier. I'm just going to try every pronunciation possible. But anyways, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a great movie. Um, you know, and, you know, obviously, you know, it's it's not, they're com- two completely separate movies. But the core of it, it's, it's you know, it is, it's very, it's upsetting in the same way House of, Last House and Left is upsetting. Um, but, you know, just, it doesn't feel as gratuitous or as, or as, um, you know, as, as grimy and as dirty, which, you know, is actually far more, you know, you know, honestly far more real um but and yeah virgin spring great movie um but leads us into talking about uh the west craven before we get into that uh i will say that uh there was one movie that i watched that i, I meant to mention to you i watched it like a week ago um it is uh don't look now with uh donald sutherland that's one of the craziest endings of a movie. Dude, I, I've never seen a movie. I've seen that ending probably 50 million times, and I've never actually watched the movie all the way through. Oh, my God. That's such a most fucked up movie ever. Like, just just the ending alone. I mean, I, I watched it from start to finish, and I totally get why. 
I was like, why is he following that person in the alley? And then yeah. I totally get it. I totally get it. Why? And, uh, and then to find out that it's a little dwarf lady, a uh, little dwarf serial killer lady. Like, yeah, no, um, for real. Yeah, um, so, I mean, by the way, it's, uh, it's sorry, it's uh, Catherine Deneuve who's in The Hunger and also in uh, um, uh, Repulsion. Anyways, sorry for interrupting. But yes, no, it's a great movie. It, Donald Sutherland has, he just has this cra- crazy, completely unique um, vibe. Like he's, he's, there's nobody like him. Um, uh, so he, even if it's a normal movie, he makes it a little weird. So, but that movie is very like dreamlike and very, um, it's based off a novel though. Am I, am I wrong about that? I think it's based off a novel, but um, no, I think, I think it is. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great, it's a great movie. Very, I mean, the thing is dude, seventies, every time I start to think about like, like, Oh, one of the best horror films of the seventies, like there, it's an, it's literally impossible because there are so many great movies, even like, um, you know, uh, hit the remake of Invasion of Body Snatchers. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. I forget about it because the 70s just have so many great horror movies. Um, the uh, the lanky, awkward duo of yeah. <laughs> Nimoy, Goldblum, and... That's what I'm Sutherland. saying. I think yeah. I brought that up. It's like the, the, the triumvirate of like tall, lanky weirdos. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, good stuff though. Sorry, yes, but uh, yes, we are talking about... Oh, West- real quick. Yes. Okay. Now I have to interrupt. So uh, I know a few podca- podcasts ago you you brought up the um, the platform. Yeah. Uh, so I, I started watching it, but I do have to say uh, the dub, like the the dubbed, the American actors were dubbing those. The you know I don't know if they're Russian, German. I don't even know what they are. Where it was originally filmed, uh, I didn't I didn't investigate. But um, basically, off the names on the. Uh, the credits at the beginning, it, it looked, you know, Eastern European of some some kind. But I was like, this movie's probably actually really good in its original, uh, you know, dialogue. But the act, the American actors are, they like are, especially the guy that plays the older guy. The he just, yeah, I don't know. It was just, I was like, man, I wish, I wish I could just watch this subbed and not uh, dubbed. But, um, but I did. Think it was, it was really fascinating. But it was irritating me too much, so I stopped watching it. But, uh, yeah, I think I think that is sometimes a hard part about movies that aren't dubbed properly, or like, or the dubbing doesn't match like what you would envision the original actor voices to be. Um, can, yeah, in this case, it was just they, they were bad, literally bad actors. The the like yeah. the re- their reads were like missing any kind of like actual emotion, or they just were very unconvincing. But uh, I was like, it's sad because I think, like I said, I think it's probably a really really good movie, and like. Um, it was. If, if you take away the acting, if you take away the voiceover stuff, and like for what it's for what it is, it, it's really it's it's a very good movie. The concept's really great. You can definitely tell it's kind of that it has that Eastern Bloc vibe in it. Yeah, um, definitely. You're like, why? Why are these people with concrete and cells and prisons? Like, can you put a fucking flower in there every now and then? Like, no, yeah. <laughs> definitely something from uh, uh, the Ukraine, maybe from. Uh... You're, you're you're depressing me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was. I was a good movie, but I do. I totally agree that it's. Yeah, the acting was not that. I great. think. I uh, think what I'm going to do is uh, probably uh, watch it. Uh, re- try to finish it when I'm tired, mm-hmm. when I'm I'm not being as hypercritical, and I can sort of just watch it passively. Um, I've noticed I have a tendency to enjoy films more or be a little more forgiving, like right before I go to bed, because. You know, my brain is starting to shut off, and I'm not uh, being as hypercritical. But uh, anyway, you, you just put the captions on it and put me and just read the captions. Ah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Then you have to hear the, the crappy American dialogue. Uh, you just read it. I like the way you think, Derek. Yeah, see, there you go. It's the subtitles. But you were talking about Last House on the Left. Um, we were talking about Wes Craven, which is so, perfect. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it is. We're talking uh, chronologically. It's his first film. It, it is absolutely. Uh, apparently, I guess b- before he he did that. Uh, apparently, he did uh, some type of like Mission Impossible like TV show that he was like a associate cameraman on. But this is like yeah, his full kind of feature length film. Um, he said, "What what I really like about Wes Craven? Yes, he, he had a pretty broad um, film career. I actually mm-hmm. had no idea until I was kind of reading a little bit more that uh, he also did Music of the Heart." 
<laughs> yeah, with Mer- Meryl Streep. Yes, I know. All the years in horror movies. And uh, and that is the one film that you really wanted to. But I guess he, he was, what I was reading, he was, uh, he's got uh, a degree from John Hopkins in writing and like philosophy. So he was a very well-educated guy and uh, wanted to do something that was uh, very much a, out of out of scope for what he had been working in. So apparently he yanked a three picture deal with Dimension and one of those deals was if he did those three pictures, he could do Music of the Heart with Meryl Streep. And that's that's what he chose to do. Apparently he was a, a jury, the reason he picked it, uh, not at all horror related, but he, he I guess he was on the uh, he was on the original jury that judged the the documentary Small Wonder, which was about the original like biography of the person that uh, centered around Meryl Streep's character in uh, Music of the Heart, and that's why he chose to do that film because he was so impressed with the the documentary that he decided to make it. But before that, he made a ton of really great films and a few like not so great films. Um, I think Last House on the Left is, I think it's a great movie. Um, yeah, it's I, every time I watch it, it, you know what really gets me in that movie is is the actors who play the bad guys in that movie. Oh yeah. Um, because because they really do look like very creepy and their their faces are very like emotional in that like and it kind of like you look at it and you're like those seem like real emotions like when you're watching especially as they're like uh you know shooting you know shoot the girl and they're trying to leave her for dead and um just a look in their faces is it's a little a little creepy well so that's so it's it's funny i'm glad you brought that up because i remember being really struck um, the first time I saw Last House on the Left, which, you know, I, I saw in my teens. I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't like a child, but, you know, I was probably 16, 17 when I saw it for the first time. Um, you know, and it's it's a group pretty hard to watch film. So, I mean, it's, I mean, the major thing is the first, like, 15 minutes um, when, you know, the real awfulness happens. But one thing that struck me is that you know, after, you know, you know, listeners, you know, spoiler alert, uh, but you know, the beginning of the movie is notoriously a very um, visceral rape scene, like a kind of a gang rape scene from this young lady and, and then a murder. And, but one thing that really struck me is like, you know, after this group of like drug addled psychopath, you know, just basically like these like young hippie weirdo kids, um, kill uh rape and kill this girl like you know after they're done like they sort of sit around for like a few minutes almost like in a daze or almost like there's like actually some humanity there where they maybe like kind of are like what the fuck did we just do but eventually they gather themselves up and like you know hide the body and you know go about you know trying to get away and i remember being really struck with that but what's funny is watching the virgin spring um that's actually in the virgin spring as well when the um there's in the Virgin Spring, it's three brothers, these three uh, sheep herder brothers. Um, uh, like one of them's a young kid, like probably like a 10 year old kid, but the two, two of the older brothers, um, you know, rape and, and basically kill this uh, young um, girl. Um, they sit around in a sort of like, what did we do kind of a way. Um, and, uh, you know, which is very, you know, much, um, you know, an interesting way to go with that because you're seeing you're seeing these you know violent you know horrific people doing this these horrific things and then showing that they may have some sort of soul or humanity and i think that's actually a really interesting choice um and i think west craven you know um you know i think it's actually more prominent in last house on the left more noticeable because i think the what happens before that is so much more ugly but i mean you know david hess uh who plays you know basically the leader um he's such a fucking good actor. Like he's actually a really great actor, but he was definitely stereotyped. Um, uh, you know, that movie basically made him forever like a rapist creep. Um, and I feel bad because I think he was actually a pretty capable actor, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's, it's, you know, it's notorious for being one of the most, um, at the time, most upsetting films ever made. Um, that's how, in fact, even as a kid, like I said, 16, 17 year old, when I watched it, um, even at that, even then, which is, you know, you know, well after the movie had come out, um, you know, by probably almost 20 years, more than maybe more than 20 years, um, 
it was still considered one of the most unsettling or upsetting movies ever made. Um, you know, obviously we've talked before about some, you know, very more modern, really upsetting movies. Um, but, um, you know, there's some, there's a, there's a sensibility to it. That's really hard to watch. You know, the rest of the movie, you know, becomes, a, you know, it's, you know, they, I'm not saying they blow their wad, but I mean, the all, they front load all of the, you know, the, 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 you know, you have that horrible action and then, you know, it's about the you know, mom and the dad getting, you know, uh, getting their revenge or whatever. But um, anyways, sorry for, you know, uh, going off on that tangent, but um, I just thought it was really interesting that like, you know, you have this horrific scene and it's, you know, it's the way that you decide to portray it is like um, that they're still humans. These aren't like, it's not Freddy and Jason. It's not, uh, you know, these aren't, you know, supernatural beings and they're not like just pure maniacs. Like they, they are still normal human beings who just do horrible things. So I don't know. I thought that was really, I think that makes it far harder to watch uh, by giving you that little glimpse of that. Hey, these are real people. Yeah, no, totally agree. And I, I think what I find really funny about that is that the whole premise of that movie is this, this potentially could really happen. It does happen. Yes. Sadly enough. And yet the two people that are actively involved in the creation of this film are Wes Craven and Sean S. Cunningham, who, uh, Solely are, are kind of the responsible parties for Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. So it's really you take two icons that are basically supernatural to to a lot of degrees. It created a film where it's very bound in like reality. Um, so I, I find that really interesting. Kind of looking back at the whole film career of like both of them and 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 what they've done. This was like the segue kind of into their their own career, but. Um, I think for Sean S. Cunningham, he kind of kind of branched off in a different direction. And Wes Craven took it, it was really hard for him to kind of rebound from that because this was a, re- a really hard to watch movie. And then the things he did after that were like, uh, he did Swamp Thing, which yeah. I thought, I always personally liked that movie with Adrian Barbeau. Um, I love it. It, it. You know, from liking the original like DC Comics. Um, what I found really interesting is that he, he never actually, uh, he grew up in a very religious uh, background, so he's never able to read comics, so he never read any of the Swamp things. So, like, what he created was kind of an amalgam of what um, he read from the comics and, like, kind of what his his vision was. But um, I read an interview with him where he said that the the reason he felt like that movie wasn't very successful is because it was the first movie where they were bound to a budget, and apparently, there were people like from the from the film uh, studio that were like on set every day towards the end, basically kind of like browbeating people to stay on budget. And so that kind of like took away from like a lot of the dialogue and additional scripts. And uh, apparently there were costume issues with Ray Wise. So it was like, it was mirrored with a variety of things that, that went wrong uh, with, with that film. And then after that, I think we, he did Deadly Desire with like Sharon Stone, um, which was one of Sharon Stone's first movies. And then uh, that also like didn't do well. So by the time he got to like Nightmare on Elm Street, he was pretty much like, you know, by hook or by crook kind of, uh, trying to sell this idea of Nightmare on Elm Street, which is really funny because nobody really bought into it. They didn't think it was scary at all. Um, even the vision that he had for the studio had for who they wanted to play Freddy was entirely different than who was cast. They wanted a more of a cane haunter, uh, you know, Jason Voorhees type of stunt actor uh, to play Freddy, this big six foot tall guy. Here you have Robert England who was on V, this kind of more lankier, uh, fellow that uh, really was kind of just weird in his own right, but obviously the perfect fit for for Freddie uh, to be had. So um, I think I think it's very interesting. Like to to the start for a guy that had a very successful career, it definitely started off very very rocky. But I also thought that made him a good director or a good filmmaker because I think he was always humbled by the experience of almost not making it <laughs> to a degree. The uh, did you have you actually actually seen uh, by the way have you ever actually seen Deadly Blessing? I've not. It's a, it's actually a pretty interesting movie. Um, uh, it's think, an, Am- it's an Amish Amish country, right? It takes place in Amish country. Yeah, like a kind. It's they're not. I mean, I don't think they're actually Amish. Am- I think they're in like a religion that's kind of inspired by that Amish. Um, it's just like a very old school, very old world, uh, very. Uh, uh, strict religious community. Um, I had never seen it, and then um, I didn't grow up having seen it. But um, Shout Factory or Scream Factory had 
well, right when Screen Factory was sort of starting and, and started putting out movies, um, it was one of their first releases, and I'd never seen it. I knew, like, you know, I was like, oh, it's a Wes Craven, Craven movie I'd never seen, and they had a really uh, good sale at one point, so I bought it, and I really put on thinking, you know, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this, but I actually fucking really enjoyed it. Um, I think, um, uh, um, and I'm blanking on the actor's name, um, um, whatever, the guy that plays the villain, um, uh, he's just, he's like, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I, I think like it's become, or, you know, at the time nobody gave a shit. Like I think, you know, especially having, he'd only done what, like two movies before that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause Hills Have Eyes and then the fireworks woman. Oh which yeah. Never how, seen. how could I forget about Hills Have Eyes? Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, you have Lasso's on the left, which is, um, I'm, you know, amazing and visceral and really intense and, um, kind of groundbreaking at the time. Then he does this weird movie called The Fireworks Woman, which I've never seen, which is about basically incest, uh, sort of like oh. flowers in the attic, kind of 70s, you know, about an incestuous brother and sister that fall in love and the brother's going to become a priest or something. But then you had The Hills of Eyes, which was very much in the same vein as The Last on House on the Left. Uh, just, you know, instead of humans, you start to, you know, have these sort of like mutants or whatever. But then Deadly Blessing came out. Also incestual, probably. Because they're yeah, absolutely. Um, but then, yeah, you know, the Hills of Ice come out, and it's really again starts with a very un, you know, un, un, you know, forgivable scene. It's very brutal and hard, and you know, it's just like very like uh, intense film. And then Deadly Blessing comes out, and it's more of a slow burn thriller. Um, so I think at the time nobody gave a shit about it. Um, but I think like in in the following years, you know, I think. Uh, it's gotten a little bit more respect, but then you follow that up with Swamp Thing, which is, even though like tangentially, like you know, like there's sort of like you know, they're all sort of like genre based or horror or thriller kind of based. Then you come Swamp Thing, which is a goofy man in monster suit movie, which I fucking love, by the way. Um, the uh, I mean Bernie Wrightson, um, one of the greatest comic book uh, artists of all time, you know, who helped create the comic, like. Anyways, love Swamp Thing, and I, I actually really enjoy the movie. Um, I think uh, Dick Dick Durek, I think is his name, the guy who plays Swamp Thing. I think he's great. I think he's sort of an. Uh, I think he like. I think he should have had a bigger career. He is just like he had a great voice. He had a really great sort of sardonic, dry delivery. I did, I feel like he should have had a bigger career. But anyway, and he's a big, handsome guy too. Um, you know, so uh, you know. Anyways, that's that's neither here nor there. But then, yeah, but then then after that, you have The Hills Have Eyes Part 2, which we've talked about in this podcast, too, as being a sort of underappreciated sequel. But then, you know, he has his fucking opus. He has his uh, cash cow with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And, um, you know, it's definitely, you know, I, like, it changed horror. I mean, literally in 1984, which if you think about what came out in 1984, I was watching something recently, and it kind of broke down all of the films that came out in 1984. But, dude, get out of here, dude. Like, Ghostbusters. I mean, this the greatest year in cinema history. And I'm not oh, even being facetious. Without a doubt. What's, what I find really funny is, though, like, so Wes Craven does Nightmare on Elm Street, which is this is such an iconic movie. And then shortly after that, does, uh, does Deadly Friend with Christy Swanson, yep. which, which is not as much of an iconic movie as much as it is known for the basketball scene uh, where she's smashing Mama Fratelli's head. Uh, it was yeah. the basketball, um, which is kind of, I mean, you, you know, it's a West Craven film, but it, it, at the same lines, you're like, is this the same guy that did Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, because it's so different. But then we, we, I think, I don't know if he did anything after that, but then it, it brings it up to Shocker, which it, by far, like, I know what they were trying to do with that. And they were trying to create another Freddy. And I, I wish to God they fucking had because Horace Pinker I, is, I think he's great personally like i know a lot of people shit on this movie because he's not freddy but i mean this guy's a ruthless badass and he doesn't give a fuck and that's what i liked about him I mean, he is he is like the i to me he's the r-rated version of freddy um in a sense of like he's he's just like a new york trucker uh who kills people which is great <laughs> um and peter bergen is weird uh his weird accent uh <laughs> which gets me every time i watch it try not to laugh and his father who i i just don't even know what type of cop you are. 
But, uh. <laughs> it's funny too because like I, I you know as you know a younger guy like I I uh, I enjoyed Shocker I, I think I rented it multiple times but um, not a lot of other I didn't grow up with other people enjoying that movie so I think you were probably one of the very first people I knew that uh, actually was a fan of that movie uh, oh man um, I mean just like I mean it, just the one-liners too like bites the guy's finger off and he's like oh finger looking good and you know I'm gonna cut you up real nice <laughs> you know I think, I think like Mitch Pelleggi like I think he he I think he's like he's such a great character actor um you know he it's not like you know he he's he's not a household name per se but he's been in fucking a billion things but oh, you know yeah. uh he was so good and so good in it and so like you know over the top and fun but uh yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, in, you know, before he came out with Shocker, he came out with probably, like, and I brought this up on the podcast as well, but probably I think my, I mean, which is hard to say, because, again, Name and Elm Street, you know, tons of great movies, obviously. But one of my favorite movies, uh, Surf of the Rainbow, which I think, if I'm, if I'm being honest, like, if I'm being sincere, I think is probably his best artistic achievement um, in you know, the way it was filmed, the script is really solid. There's got really good performances, like really good, solid acting performances in it. Um, uh, and I think like at the time, you know, cause he was coming off, like you said, Deadly Friend. Um, uh, I mean, he didn't do any, he had nothing to do with uh, an Street part two, but uh, he was, I think he was just the writer on part three. But then, you know, he came out with Serpent of the Rainbow. And I think a lot of critics at the time were kind of shocked that, like, he, how good it was. Uh, and then he followed up with Shocker, <laughs> which the critics did not like. So, really interesting. He's had, he did definitely, you know, has had a really interesting career. Um, uh, I, I mean, say what you want about him. I mean, the guy does, I mean, the guy did what he wanted to do, um, yeah. which is great. Like, and I, I feel like even when he did movies that weren't maybe as critically acclaimed, like, I think he still did them well. Um, you know, I even even to Shocker, like, yes, is maybe that's just because you can't really compare anybody to Freddy Krueger. I think that's that's part of the reason I think that when I, I look at a movie like Shocker, probably didn't do as well. Just solely for the fact that, like, people are just saying this is supposed to be the next Freddy Krueger and, and how can you compare? But, like, as a standalone character, I, I, I thought it was great. I wish they had done more uh, with the character. I wish there was more. But we never say never. I mean... You know, all of his stuff went up for, uh, you know, went back to his estate. So, yeah. and that, that movie's got to be getting pretty old to go back to the, to be released from the studios. So, who who knows if somebody would ever do an interpretation or a sequel? I mean, um, but but I would be up for it. Um, but yeah, Serpent in the Rainbow is a fantastic movie. Um, probably, I would have to say probably one of the best representations of voodoo in yes. horror. In, in horror. Um, and very, like, very accurately depicted as well. Like, that's, you know, kind of reading stories about how, you know, he actually does homework on, you know, uh, on Haitian culture and, and voodoo and had realistic people and had realistic practices. And I know Bill Pullman has said, like, he has not done any, any horror movies. This was, like, the first one and the last one he ever did. But, like, it stuck with him so iconically, like, in his mind. Uh, that he, he's very proud of that work. So for somebody who doesn't even like horror to say that like, this is one of his like favorite pieces of work that he's done. I mean, I think that says a lot like about um, him as a filmmaker and, and as a director as well. So. Yeah. Well, I'll um, tell you that too. Like, you know, it was definitely a case of, um, you know, at the time, you know, I think, I forget which James Bond movie, uh, I forget which James Bond movie is the, the one with voodoo in it, but, um, you know, there hadn't been, you know, like there, you know, nobody was making voodoo movies outside. Like I walk with a zombie and stuff. And so I think, you know, uh, live and let die, by the way, live and let die. There you go. Oh, um, thank, take with the assist. Uh, thanks producer Hank. Um, uh, did I say Hank? I mean, you said like, Hank. Usually his name. That's boy. Boy, I tell you what. That uh, boy ain't uh, right. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're gonna see you some uh, propane, Bobby. <laughs> did, uh, uh, did Adam Danger just walk in here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Man, that's funny. Um, but 
but yeah, it came out and like, you know, it gave an actual kind of rooted in real life fucking um, believable version of voodoo. And people fucking super freaky because at that point, people were like, damn, this shit might be real. Uh, it was a fucking really good movie. Um, you know, followed that up with After Shocker uh, with, again, probably one of, I think, maybe his most underrated movie, or at least it was for a long time. I think it's starting to really become a little bit more uh, cherished and respected, which is People Under the Stairs. Um, which we talked about plenty on the show uh, mm-hmm. as far as uh, gimp suits versus People Under the Stairs. Daddy, 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 daddy suits. suits. Daddy um, suits. Daddy suits. But yeah, fucking what a great movie. Um, uh, you well, know, that's the thing is like that, that like his, his movies don't, like that's what I like about it. It's like, they kind of break the typical like horror movie trope that you would see, right? Like yep. strong female women, like uh, in a lot of his films represented, which at times where there wasn't uh, strong, like uh, black representation, African-American representation in films, like a lot more diversity than when you see it in kind of some of the, even like the, the, the horror movies of the nineties that were coming out. Um, so I think that that was, that was important. Uh, you know, I kind of like looking at um, Deadly Desire versus Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> He's got like a very, a lot of like iconic scenes in those movies that are representative of, of women, uh, but they end up being strong female characters, which I think is, is important, even all the way up through like Scream, where like, you know, I know Jamie Lee Curtis was like the final girl, but then you have like Nev Campbell, who's, who became for like the longest time, like the final girl of that yeah. generation, like in movies, and that one became more prominent. Oh, you had like Jennifer Love Hewitt, and you had all those other kind of spin-off movies as well that, that were not done quite as well, kind of following that, that same genre. So in a lot of ways, like with each kind of turn of the, the generation, like he, he revives a, a, an area that, that wasn't exactly prominent, like in horror. So like he did, you know, the... Uh, you had Nightmare on Elm Street kind of revitalized. You see Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, all those films. Because Friday the 13th was only made because Nightmare on Elm Street was made because they wanted to top that. Um, you know, you get a lot of other movies in that, that 80s vein that are classic. Then you get into the 90s, you get, you know, you get people under the stairs, which is not as appreciated. But towards the end of the 90s, you get Scream, which revitalizes slasher film and a teen slasher genre, like uh, almost two decades, almost two decades later. So um, I think this is a lot about him as a, as a filmmaker um, that he held on to that. And I think the other movie that's, I think really underappreciated is new nightmare. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, which was also kind of pre-scream and it was also very meta, um, you know, based on his experience with nightmare on Elm street. And I think it's kind of funny, funny because it's, it's, I always take it as a little bit of like a fuck you to Bob Shay <laughs> at, at a uh, new line yeah. um, for, for everything that's been done with the Freddy character. You know, to kill him off and then to bring him back for for a new nightmare um it, it's pretty funny because it's very much a nod to some of that stuff that he he found campy about the other six or seven films that were prior to that so um say which one about the guy he definitely uh has has an eye for for good cinema and he and he, and he sometimes doesn't care um he still just makes his movies well, that, I mean, it, I actually think that brings up an interesting point, too, because I think he gets a lot, like, people always talk about him being a director, but he fucking wrote practically everything he directed up until, I think, uh, yeah, Wes Craven, The New Nightmare was the last thing he actually wrote that he directed, he, that he also directed, um, up until, like, the end of his, his uh, uh, towards the end of his career. But, um, uh, but like uh, all of these, like Hills of Eyes, Last House on the Left, Nightmare on Elm Street, Serving the Rainbow. Um, actually, no, I don't think he did. He write Serving the Rainbow. He didn't write Serving the Rainbow, but he wrote People on the Stairs, Shocker, New Nightmare. He also wrote all those. So he, not only was he a really good director, but he was the creative like vision behind a lot of these movies too, and the, and the actual scriptwriter. Um, and then he was smart enough to you know then work with Kevin Williamson, who you know as much credit as Wes Craven gets for kind of reigniting um, the sort of reinventing, I actually should even say this, the, the slasher genre for a new, new era for a new uh, decade in a new era. Um, I do think a lot of that credit does go to Ken Williamson. Um, Cause it was really his idea 
um, you know, as his script has sort of kind of turned it on its side. But again, he was inspired by by Wes Craven, and also Wes Craven, you know, took took you know uh, um, uh, his script took. Uh, you know, kind of was a very like witty, very original script, and and still made it into a fucking really great, um, comedic, tense, you know, well constructed film. So, um, you know, no, I feel like in this day and age, you have so many guys. Whether it's John Car, excuse me, John Carpenter. Um, um, I mean, I mean, like, um, there's just a lot of directors, horror directors from the era. Uh, who get a lot of credit, um, and you know, West Graham does get a lot of credit, but sometimes, like, even I sometimes sort of forget or overlook the, because again, I think, if you tell me West West Craven, I think of Nightmare on Elm Street, and I think of uh, um, uh, House Last House on the Left, but I forget about, really, the depth of his, like, his filmography, and then, you know, Music of the Heart, but, um, but, you know. Um, Scariest film ever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know. Unfortunately, <laughs> the the uh, you know he did fall. He did, he did make some stinkers uh, like Vampire in Brooklyn. Um, did you, uh, <laughs> how do you, are you a fan of that, Derek? Are you a big fan of uh, I, Vampire I, in Brooklyn? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I don't hate it. Like a lot of people hate Vampire in Brooklyn. Um, I, I think it has it's it's funny moments to it. Um, I just have a really hard time believing at that time as Eddie Murphy is like a straight, kind of a straight yes. lace character. Like, so in that movie, like he surrounds himself with a lot of comedic elements. Like he, he's got a lot of comedy, Angela Bassett, Kadeem Harrison. Um, he plays a lot of, he's got like, you know, he, he's got like a lot of his uh, nutty professor clump personalities around there too, where he's like playing other characters, which I was like, all right, well, dude, if you're just, if you're going to do that, like, just fucking make it funny. Like, at least I can laugh at it. Um, yeah. But it's well, like, kind of brooding, brooding straight-laced character. Nah, like, not so much. But I don't hate it. Like, a lot of people hate that movie. Yeah, I think I have... I mean, my thing is I saw it probably... I don't know, 19... Whatever, like, a few years, 1997, 1998 was probably the last time I'd seen it. Uh, and I, I definitely didn't have the best things to say about it, but I probably should revisit <laughs> it just to see. But I remember being like, and that was at that point too, where Eddie Murphy's career was sort of like, what the fuck? And again, I think you see Eddie Murphy on that film poster, and even the, the film post, the film art, he's kind of smirking a little bit with his stupid over-the-top vampire. I mean, that's like, the thing. is he's, he's, he's a funny guy trying not to be funny, which in itself is funny. Yeah. So exactly. it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I just think that that's, yeah, I mean, it's apparently, I guess, Eddie Murphy was a big fan of Wes Craven, which is why he came to Wes Craven to do the movie. Um, I, I didn't realize, apparently, that uh, Wes Craven, a fun fact, was supposed to do Beetlejuice. Um, wow. He was also supposed to do Superman 4, and I guess Christopher Reeves was like, there's no fucking way Wes Craven's doing, <laughs> doing Superman. So, like, that could have been cool. I would have been excited I to see that. Yeah. Um, not, and, and not that I, I don't like Beetlejuice, but I mean, it would have been kind of cool to see him do Beetlejuice or, or a sequel to Beetlejuice and to see what he could, could have done with the character. Um, instead yeah, of I love, I mean, I think it's like, I, you know, I think Beetlejuice, you know, is such a, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to see it because it's, it's so, it's, you know, got Tim Burton's jizz all over it, but, um, uh, so a little, such on, a, little on your, forehead your, your chin exactly. a little it's, bit on your chin i mean it's such a west or such a uh, uh burton film like you know say what you want say say whatever you will about burton but especially at the you know the first half of his career stylistically he was untouchable like he created completely cohesive worlds that soundtrack costuming hair everything was like he created little worlds and stuff so you know definitely that's not who Wes Craven was as a filmmaker. Um, but I, I mean, definitely, I would love to see, you know, I think we should actually, I think we should have a segment on this podcast where we talk about, imagine, like, what if, and, like, take an existing film, and then what if a different director or a creative team had made that the same movie, like, took the script yeah. or whatever? Because I even think now, I'm like, I, you know, I could see a really scary movie, that, like, Wes Craven making a very actually scary, because, Beetlejuice is, is a lot of things that's not scary. Um, 
but like I can see West Craven taking that concept and, and doing something pretty gnarly with it and something pretty uh, something pretty trippy. So interesting, yeah. I actually didn't know that. I never heard yeah. that before. Yeah, yeah. I was reading. Uh, yeah, as I was reading up, and uh, I knew I heard it somewhere, but I was was reading up on an interview that he did, and he talked about some of the things that he kind of as you know in the '80s kind of got passed over because of his reputation for for doing something like that horror genre. Um, and that was, those were two that kind of stuck out with him that he, he kind of had them, he got, I guess he was actually, uh, they were in like pre-production for, for Beetlejuice or like a follow-up to Beetlejuice. Like when he got pulled from that, they were like two months into it. So that was like what he was actually actively doing. And then, uh, and then Superman, he just, he, his agent interviewed Christopher Reeves and it was all downhill from there. But, wait, wait, which Superman film was he supposed to do? Superman 4. Oh, well, f- Jesus Christ. He should have directed it. Fucking, like, was couldn't have been Rich, any Rich, worse. Richard Pryor? Is that the Richard Pryor one? No, that's number three. That's number three? four is uh, where Superman tries to get rid of all nuclear weapons and fights uh, Solar Man. Uh, oh, The Quest for Peace. The Quest for Peace, yeah. That's right. That I, piece of oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, okay. That's a, uh, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, it's the one that had John Cryer in it. Yeah, I used to grow. I used to. I used to grow up when I when I was growing up. I used to say that it was the movie with that. Uh, you know, Solar Man. Is it Sun Man or Solar? It's Solar Man. Um, looked like Sh- uh, Shadow Stevens with Lee Press on nails, and that's not a reference anybody gets anymore. But uh, for people over forty, you may remember <laughs> Shadow Stevens. Anyways, um, or Lee Press on nails. Uh, very dated. It. Very dated <laughs> reference, but. Um, but yeah, the uh, one one film though, I I actually feel like does not get enough love. It's a movie I actually really enjoy. Is Cursed. Um, oh yes, thank you for bringing that up because I really enjoy that movie. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you kind of talk about why you like it. But um, well, you know, you have Kevin Williamson doing his, you know, his whole Kevin Williamson thing. Um, but instead of doing it, you know, reinventing a slasher, he's basically taking. Uh, the werewolf genre, which I think is, a, I think the werewolf genre is also one of the most underrepresented, like underutilized uh, horror film. I think there's been so many great. I mean, the '70s you had a ton, whether it was The Howling or American Werewolf in London, to movies like Dog Soldiers. And I think Kirsch is in there in one of those films that did something really unique with the concept. Um, but, you know, you had, and I also full full. You know, fully uh, full convention is. I am also, uh, you know, there, at the time I was the world's biggest Christina Ricci fan, um, so I'd see. Oh, I bet you were. Yeah, but I'd see anything with her in it. Um, also, I think you know you have a young Jesse Eisenberg. Um, yeah, he, he, who's he was always very, very nerdy in been, that. What's that? He's very nerdy in that film. Yeah, just like always, just he's very yeah. Jesse Eisenberg. But yeah, I think it's great. I think it's really funny. I think um, had a great uh, cast. I mean, it had a had a. Michael Rosenbaum, Josh, Josh Jackson in it, uh, Judy Greer, um, Christina Ricci, uh, freaking, like, uh, was it, uh, fuck, uh, Craig Kinnear? No, he's a fucking late night host. I forget his name. Um, that's Scott Bayo in it. Um, I forgot about yeah, that. Uh, a young, a young and, and closeted gay. Uh, this is us, uh, Milo. Stelonovich. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it had a, had a great actor. But yeah, I love the premise of that movie. When it came out, I, I know it got panned, but I always, I, you know, it's one of those movies that if I see it pops up like, hey, watch this, or like it's it's being right. But I'll always put it on because it's it's always funny to me. Uh, the whole wrestling scene always gets me every time with Jesse Eisenberg, <laughs> right? With yeah. his, uh, he, he turns, what's funny about that movie is, is he turns your werewolf, his hair goes straight. I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get that. He wakes up in the morning is like, he's you like, look like a poodle. You don't have the, you don't have the fro anymore. I don't understand what happened to you. Is that part of your werewolf magnitude? <laughs> like you think he would have had a super fro or anything, something like that, like being all furry and stuff, but nope. Um, one, one thing I one thing I, I think I I really have always enjoyed about it is that it sort of takes the mythology of the of of the Wolfman of the uh, OG uh, you know the not the first werewolf movie but you know the uh, you know one of the you know one of the first and you know one of the most beloved and takes that mythology of it being like a you know a, 
you know, cursed by, you know, like, uh, you know, it has the mark of the, of the devil on him. And, and it's like all that stuff, which is very much an ode to uh, the uh, original, uh, the Wolfman film. Um, I, I always like that. Um, also has a devil dog in it too, because, uh, because his dog gets cursed too, which I always thought was that's right. funny. It turns like that's a weird really dog. Cool. And yeah. I was like, oh, you don't see a weird dog very often. I always wonder what would happen if, uh, if a werewolf bit another another dog and infected him, like you know, were dog. Yeah. Apparently. So let me let me ask you this. Um, I have never seen Red Eye. Um, did you uh, did you ever see his that movie? I think it's with what's his name, Cillian uh, uh, Murphy. Cillian Murphy. Uh, yeah, that was in the same like that was the same year that they did like Flight Plan with Jodie Foster. They had a lot of fucking airplane movies. Oh, that's right. Long yeah. Block of time. I, I couldn't get into that movie. Um, I had the chick from the yeah. Notebook too. Yeah, which is the only reason I, I tried to watch it, but I just I just it was, couldn't get. Couldn't it was get horrible. It. it was I saw it, and it was bad. I mean, it was bad. That was a bad movie. Like no one should. Yeah. See that yeah, movie yeah. ever? Yeah, I, I think like it's so unforgettable. Like I, it's so forgettable that I don't even remember exactly like what happened. I just know that there was two. I just know those two people were in it, and that was pretty much it. He was was in the red eye, yeah. So yeah, twenty eight days later, the dude or you know the uh, yeah. the scarecrow, yeah, Cillian yeah, Silly Murphy, yeah, and yeah. Rachel McAdams. Like he had plotted, like he knew who she was from the get go, and like he acted like a stranger, like yeah. some nice guy, and he ta- ends up saying like telling the story, this long elaborate story. Yeah, I'm gonna put you all to sleep. I just. This is dumb. I, you know, the thing is, like, I, I remember saying at the time, like, I always find it funny, I, or find it interesting, I should say, um, when you have these kind of films and you have a really good-looking, like, a really handsome, kind of charming guy as the, as the, uh, as the villain, um, because I think it kind of subverts expectations a little bit. But I remember thinking, like, uh, for just from the trailer, I'm like, I, I. I think she can kick Silly Murphy's ass. Like I don't see him. I don't see him as even remotely threatening. Uh, you know, he's a very, he's a good actor, good-looking good dude. But I just don't see him being very like, uh, you know, scary. No, no, me neither. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I did watch it. I just I don't even remember what was it, it was about. Honestly, like so, it was it was pretty pretty forgettable. Um, but I think it, it's also time it came out and. It was just kind of in the same vein of all the other kidnapped airport movies, you know. And, what, and both of them are coming off from like like twenty eight days later and the Notebook. Mm-hmm. So like it's like why not put these two stars in a movie? That's right. See so, see if the ba- magic happens. So uh, the other movie I wanted to ask you about, Derek, because I also haven't seen it, uh, is. Um, uh, uh, the fuck is it called? Um, hold on. Look at this <laughs> oh, he actually didn't direct it. Why do you think he directed it? The movie Pulse, which I think is a remake? Oh, because uh, he did the screenplay for it. That's why. Yeah. I, I, for some, I could have sworn he had directed it. But no, it was directed by Jim Son Zero. Uh, but did you ever see I never saw it. I, I did. Um, hey. I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, it had, it was kind of, it was, you don't remind me of is like, it remind me of that Stephen King book, The Cell, but it was like before The Cell. Um, but it's the same concept, essentially. Like they, people get, they hear the sound or something and they get kind of pulled into a depression and then they like kill themselves and then they are in like this limbo, purgatory. Like, yeah. Like a different dimension. dimension or some shit. Yeah, yeah, they're in a different dimension, but they're like void of any emotion. They're just like suicidal all the time. I haven't seen it in a long time though. I, I, it was good when I watched it. I just can't for life me think of like what the whole concept was. I just know that she had a friend in the movie who wasn't depressed, and then and then killed themselves, and then uh, who's it? Uh, the girl from the Good Place, uh, Kristen Bell. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, offer for Veronica Mars days. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially that was that was kind of the, the gist of it. So it wasn't a terrible movie, but I, I, it was it was decent. It, you kind of would expect it to be kind of like one of those directed movies, uh, directed video 
type movies though. Like there's probably about 20 other of its kind uh, <laughs> during, during that reign of like, let's kind of take stock of like all the young teen celebrities we can put in horror movies. And this is just one of them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I imagine that the screen, like what was originally written and probably what ended up on the screen was probably very different. Um, well, it's funny that you say like direct the video because I will say that the, I, the, the last one I really wanted to bring up uh, was a movie, I, one of his last movies that I actually did see, which is My Soul to Take, which I remember watching and thinking like, this uh, definitely feels like a straight to video movie. It's 3D um, too. Oh, that's right. I think it was one of the very one of the first wave of those 3D movies. The uh, after you know the uh, whole uh, Avatar, that like new craze of uh, 3D movies. But uh, yeah, I remember seeing it. I I actually don't even I can't even recall even honestly we even recall the plot. But I remember being very. I, uh, I, I, I can I can I can recap you of of the uh, of the of the plot. All right, let's um, do it. So it's about this group of kids that are all born uh, at the same time, at the same yep. moment. I remember that. In which they're uh, the serial killer in the town who is one of the kids' fathers uh, gets, gets killed. He's got like multiple personalities or something like that, apparently. And he calls his doctor and he's, he's worried he's going to hurt his wife. And um, he ends up, he ends up uh, I think, either like killing his wife. I think he ends up killing his wife. Uh, but the baby's the baby survives, and he's got an older sister. But anyways, like so, the the story goes basically that his multiple personalities or spirits are split between the the kids that were born in this town, and so uh, basically, killer is like knocking off uh, the kids in the town, and every time one of them dies, like this one kid inherits basically like their their soul. Like the soul, it's like six of them, um, and like you don't know which one is possessed by the evil part of the of the spirit. Like they all have kind of different personalities and traits based on based on his personalities, and so it's like him, and then it's down to him and his spoiler. It's down to him and his like best friend. Best friend's obviously the bad spirit. He's the, he's the good one. So he kills a friend. The friend's like fighting it. The spirit would go into him, and then he would be whole. Again, he would have a, he would have all the parts within him, um, and then that's essentially like what happens. Kills right. a friend, so it's a soul to take. Uh, but yeah, I remember it had it had the uh, I don't know, had one of those like very catchy uh, songs, like metal songs in it. Um, I don't know if I can remember the name of it, but the, the bodies in the gun. Yeah, kind of like that. Kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a, I don't know, I don't quite remember, honestly, but you would know it, you hear it in like a club or something like that or a hot topic. Anyways, um, so again, I, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad movie, but I think like in, in the vein of like the things that he has created, like it is, is low on the totem pole um, and kind of also falls to that cliche. I had a very young cast, it was very much like, it was after Scream and I think that's that's yeah. part of the, the reputation that it had. Um, trying to think of the name of the actor max something um so the, the funny enough the actors that have, have like that were in that movie um have also gone on to do their their own fair share of like horror uh horror movies so uh the, the main character uh max uh throat he played uh played uh norman bates's brother in bates motel um he's, he's i like him as an actor he's good and the best friend uh uh joe marjo he um, plays the uh, shit. He was in uh, the uh, the Nazi the Nazi movie with a uh, fucking I can't I can't James I got a James brain tonight I can't. Oh no! The, the, the movie. I have James brain in it tonight. Uh, Nazi fuck, movie. It was it was just the one that came out recently with with uh, Wyatt Russell. They were on the stormy Normandy. They had the secret experimentations. Oh, um, uh, 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 u
yeah, for this, it wasn't, a, it wasn't exactly like the most uh, award-winning, <laughs> award-winning film uh, to say the least. So, but one thing I do want to bring up before, before we close out is uh, it's not Wes Craven related, but I forgot to mention it earlier was uh, James, did you hear they were doing a, uh, an HBO? Yeah. What? What? Oh, nothing. Oh. What's the matter? Oh, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing at all. I was, I, I just said something. Don't worry about it. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> uh, did you know they're going to do an HBO Hellraiser series? I heard that. I heard, I heard it's not for certain, though, right? Um, I. It's in development? I, it's in development, yeah. Yeah, yeah I heard about that. Cool. Uh, I, in fact, some, some website was posting uh, pictures, like makeup pictures from uh, Revelations. I was like, fuck, that's a terrible makeup. Oh, then, why would you put that? Yeah, it's like they were just showing like, "Hey, what did you guys think of Revelations?" I'm like showing the makeup, but then like somebody in there had posted it, and I was like, "That's a far more th- interesting thing to post about than reposting a pretty terrible makeup from a really terrible movie." But um, oh god, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm de- I'm so down. Um, I know who was the director that had like wanted to do it. Um, uh, Dennis, Dennis Villanueva. So, some really good director actually wanted yeah. to pitch. Is it the same? Do, do we know if it's the same guy? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I mean, it's. I mean, the thing is, the mythology is so perfect for a TV series that, um, dude, I'm. I'm. A, if you get the right oh, actors, it was. Dude, it, was uh, it was. It was David Gordon Green, and it was written by Michael Doherty. There you go. Yeah. So. Oh, and uh, and Mark, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Mark, I remember. Mark, very, very heaty. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of, I heard that and I was like, you know what? It's kind of a cool concept because I would like to, uh, like to learn more about the history of the Cenobites. So I was like, if, if it was kind of more of an anthology series, like uh, centered around the, uh, you know, centered around the box or the Cenobites or like not necessarily a hundred percent focus on Pinhead, but just that realm. Like I would be totally down for that. Um, as long as you bring Doug Bradley back, that's that's my only thing. Well, that's what I say. But do you think yeah. they would bring him back? I think it would be it would be completely stupid to have Pinhead and not have him back because I don't think anybody would want to watch like another Pinhead. I mean, I, I don't think I don't know who you would put in that role. Like, I mean, I could see them. Um, <laughs> I could see them um, using him as like. Uh, a um uh as a um like another character in, in it like see him yeah. doing it like you know um yeah i mean he could be a part of like i think he he would be great for like uh sprinkled throughout like the series but like not the main character because there's so many other uh cenobites in that world that you could probably go off of but um yeah and then there's that other show that's coming out called uh, Lovecraftian Country. Yeah, the seen. trailer looks amazing. Yeah, I'm stoked for that too. Like, I, I love a good, I love a good Lovecraft uh, series. So, the thing uh, is, was like, I don't know how much of the the like, you know, uh, old gods, the uh, ancient ones, the Lovecraft mythology is going to be in it. Um, I like definitely. It's you know, it's it's just taking a very interesting like taking. Because most Lovecraft stories are, are take place in like a Victorian um, to maybe early twenties kind of setting, where right. this is like more forties, early fifties. Um, again, definitely seems like a, a it, you know it's a social commentary, um, historically accurate social commentary. But I think it's a really interesting mixture of themes. So I, I'm very interested. I, I think, you know. The trailer was, re- I mean, beautifully shot. Like it, like looked yeah. really, like you know, intense. So, um, I thought the little, the one creature they show was a little generic. Uh, not, but we'll see. But it's just a came out of nowhere, and it was like, what? Yeah, I mean, I heard about it a while back, but I, I didn't even know they had, they'd actually like finished filming it or or finished like the first season of that. But yeah, and I, I think it's, I'm always okay with the creature kind of being a little generic because I was like, don't. Don't give away the cow, you know. Um, yeah. Let let us work for it a little bit. So, I, I think it makes me want to watch it more to see kind of how in depth they get to, with that. But yeah, I agree. I'm 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 excited for it though. I think it'll be a, kind of a different take and 
um, hopefully, it'll, hopefully it'll be good. Maybe there's some backstory on that. So, but we'll see. Well, all righty. That was uh, that was fun. Always fun. Y'all are, y'all are getting there. <laughs> it is. We got, we got a rhythm. But we do. Yeah, y'all have a little. Y'all have a little cadence going. I really appreciate that. Uh, making making me look good, guys. Not having not having to do a lot of work. <laughs> hey, you came in with that James Bond assist, there, so I appreciate that, Hank. <laughs> well ladies and gentlemen if you did enjoy this uh be sure to give us a follow here on spotify subscribe to us on itunes and make sure to leave us a five-star review tell your mom to your dad tell your family about us to help support the show uh but yeah no that being said this has been the texas podcast massacre we'll see you on the next episode folks goodbye peace